It's an area the size of India. Frozen and inaccessible for most of the year. Russia's Arctic territory is one of the least hospitable places on Earth. But Russia's extreme cold is also deeply embedded in the mindset of its people. Since imperial times, Russian rulers have seen size as a source of strength and wealth, compelling them against all odds to settle the country's northern reaches. Over the last decade, President Vladimir Putin has revived Russia's Arctic dream, boosted by a warming climate and melting ice that has opened up the potentially lucrative northern sea route. His government has declared the Arctic a strategic energy battleground. But the success of the route is not guaranteed. The far north is a land of unforgiving extremes. Tixi, a former transport hub in northeast Siberia that is going through a drastic economic decline, is living proof that the riches beneath the Arctic ice are a world away from most of the settlements above it. Can Russia ever make it work? One-fifth of the country's territory is here, in the Arctic Circle. Although most of this land is unfit for human habitation, Russia's rulers have long been obsessed with settling and industrializing the North. In pursuit of the riches beneath the Arctic's ice, including oil, gas, gold and rare earths, they've often shown little regard for the costs of this pursuit. The Soviet ideology never explicitly asked the question whether the development of the remote territories was profitable or rational economically. It was taken as a truth in itself that uh, development of space is a positive phenomenon. But the North is more than just a source of wealth. Russia has a long history of favoring extensive spatial development. From imperial times, this was practically a state idea to colonize uh, vast territories, to expand the border. During the Soviet era, extracting resources from the north depended almost wholly on forced labor. Socialist dictator Josef Stalin tried to overcome the odds of nature by sheer power of will and a coercive political system. Inmates of labor camps were worked to death building roads and railways and digging Siberia's riches out of the ground. In the end of the 40s, when maybe the greatest amount of this unfree labor was used, it was about 8 or 6 percent up to all the labor force in, in Russia, in Soviet Union. But in these northern regions, it was almost two-thirds of labor force was unfree. Tens of thousands of people are believed to have died in gulag camps in the far north alone. But much of the sacrifice was in vain. Many of the industrial plants, mines and railways built under the brutal Gulag system fell into disrepair when the Soviet Union collapsed. But President Putin's rise to power has sparked a revival of Russia's Arctic ambitions. His government has declared the Arctic a strategic energy battleground and has started rebuilding Russia's military presence there. 
A polar expedition in 2007 even planted a Russian flag on the Arctic seabed, provoking international criticism. Last year, Moscow set up a government commission to manage Arctic policy and launched an economic development plan for the region. Putin's revival of Russia's Arctic dream rests largely on an unlikely force – climate change. Rising temperatures and melting sea ice are fueling hopes within Russia that it's on the verge of acquiring a viable shipping lane along its entire northern coast. In 2012, the extent of Arctic sea ice at the end of the summer melting season dropped to a record low, 44% below the average of the previous three decades. The NSR shortens the shipping distance between Yokohama and Hamburg by up to 4,100 nautical miles, a 37% reduction compared to the route that travels through the Suez Canal from Asia to Europe. Moscow hopes to attract big flows of international traffic along the NSR. This could help fund resource exploration and infrastructure development in Russia's more isolated Arctic areas. Some places in the Russian far north are prospering. Rich gas deposits under the tundra in northwest Siberia have fueled the growth of Novi Urungoy and transformed the city into a magnet for migrant workers. Dmitry Ivanov's schoolboy dream of leaving his town on the Volga River to travel to the Arctic became a reality 14 years ago. Amid miles of swampland, Novi Urungoy is a thriving city of 113,000 people in northwest Siberia. It has a modern shopping mall to rival Annie in Moscow, state-of-the-art sports facilities and apartment buildings sprouting up to house its growing population. The city is reaping the benefits of the gas flowing beneath the tundra surrounding it. Novi Urungoy is the hub from which Gazprom runs three giant fields that account for half of Russia's gas production. It is also a stopover for shift workers headed for Sabeta, a large site on the Yamal Peninsula northwest of Novi Urungoy, where Novatec is developing gas reserves with French and Chinese partners. Dmitry works as a safety engineer, three hours north of Novi Urungoy. Life at the workers' camp is fairly basic. Dmitry, and most others employed in the gas industry in northwestern Siberia, work on shift rotations, usually 30 days on and 30 days off. Companies pay their staff at least 80% more than elsewhere in Russia, and workers are offered free flights home. Since the city was established in the 1980s, companies like Novatec and state-run Gazprom have paid for its development. They sponsor huge facilities and schools. Trying to bring labor into uncomfortable environments, it's always costly. You have to compensate people. And that's why uh, in many uh, cases in other countries, in market economies, when we see development of resources in uh, remote areas, we see that they are done in a less labor-intensive way. Novi Urungoy is a bright spot in Russia's vast frozen Arctic territory. It could be an example for future developments in the region, if factors such as climate change and the price of oil and gas spur more investment. But for now, 
the city is an exception. The reality of most other settlements in the Russian Arctic is much bleaker. In childhood, I often liked to go alone. I remember always going on a и смотрели на вещи, которые там разбросаны, и думали, кем могли бы быть эти люди, которые бросили эти вещи и уехали отсюда. Юрий Хорошевский is 22 years old and was born and raised in Tixi, a small town in eastern Siberia, more than a thousand kilometers from the nearest city. After a brief stint away at university, he dropped out and returned home to save money, bringing his St. Petersburg-born girlfriend Natalia with him. Первые несколько дней я находилась под впечатлением от этого, ну, новые, абсолютно здесь другие виды, другой воздух, другие люди. Но со временем, конечно, это ну, очень однообразно, необычно, но однообразно. Юрий works with his father, an engineer at a local research station. Natalia hangs out at Tixi's only recreational center, and in the evenings they watch TV series together or take long walks in the hills surrounding the town. Tixi is just a speck in the three and a half million square kilometers that make up the Russian Arctic. It once stood for all that Russia aspired to in the Arctic. Built in 1933 under the rule of Stalin, it was a bustling port on the northern sea route. But the end of socialism led to the collapse of shipping traffic on the route and to Tixi's decline. In less than 30 years, the town's population has plummeted by 60%. Я сомневаюсь, что я бы согласилась поехать сюда без перспективы когда-либо вернуться. Хотим здесь оставаться, это точно. И после того, как особенно пожил несколько лет в большом городе, еще сложнее становится здесь жить в информационной изоляции. То место, которое в Центральной Арктике было, так сказать, ну, столицей Центральной Арктики был Тикси. И надеюсь, все это вернется. Александр Гуков is one of the few scientists who remain in the area. He's opened a museum here, showcasing species plucked from the surrounding tundra. Although he loves his work, he misses the once vibrant Tixi that existed in the Soviet era. Alexander's nostalgia for Tixi's glory days is shared among many of the town's older residents, who can only hope the Russian government reinvests. In the plans there is a program that is for the once the Soviet Union collapsed, state money to support industries like coal here in Tixi dried up. This coal mine that you can see right behind me, which used to attract people from all over the Soviet Union for work, now lies in ruins. One thing that is growing in Tixi is Russia's military. Nikita Kudrashov, the son of a former Air Force pilot who served in Tixi most of his life, works at the local military base. His 18-year-old girlfriend, Lyudmila, moved here four years ago with her mother and stepfather. 
В армии чем хорошо? У нас здесь большие плюсы именно на севере в армии жить. Тут, во-первых, паек дают тебе еду. То есть буквально вот, сейчас скажу, осенью, по-моему, да, выдали на человека мешок картошки, да, по-моему? Да, мешок муки, мешок картошки. Знаете, мешок картошки, да? Это вот на три месяца дают одного человека. То есть, если вы вдвоем, то вам уже два мешка картошки. То есть это выше крыши уже. Плюс там мука, лук, морковь и так далее. When Lyudmila and her mother Yelena arrived in the winter of 2012, a pipe at the town's diesel generator ruptured, cutting the water supply. The airport was also closed for repairs, which triggered a full-blown food crisis that lasted seven months. The government has funded some basic improvements, including a new heating plant and repairs to power lines. While military personnel in Tixi can enjoy relative financial security, the abandoned buildings dotting the town and the ships frozen in the ice along Tixi's shoreline remind its residents of a lost opportunity. At the moment, Tixi is a world away from the prosperous Arctic imagined by Putin. Many of the government's promises to invest have been slow to materialize. And Putin's efforts to boost Russia's geopolitical power on other fronts in recent years have diverted money that could have been spent developing the Arctic. Много планов, просто денег не хватало. Сами же знаете, там эти Крым сначала присоединяли, потом что-то еще делали. Они все туда деньги впихивали, а на развитие Дальнего Севера не хватало. Moscow's renewed interest in the Arctic has fanned hopes in places like Tixi that the town can prosper again. So far, though, the promise of the Northern Sea Route as a catalyst for developing the Russian Arctic has failed to deliver. After a brief spike of NSR journeys between Europe and Asia in 2012 and 2013, these so-called transits have almost completely stopped again. With oil prices so low, the fuel savings aren't enough to convince foreign shipping companies that this route is preferable to transiting the Suez Canal. The only hope is that exports of resources from the Russian Arctic will revive the route. But Arctic offshore exploration is expensive, and sanctions against Russia bar it from buying Western equipment needed for offshore drilling. Right now, the tide seems to be flowing against Putin's plans. But the emotional pull to the north, which many Russians feel, will continue to fuel Moscow's Arctic ambition. Арктика была ворота в жизнь, в научную жизнь, прежде всего. Арктика всегда, ну, вообще говоря, в сердце большинства российских людей. В чем заключается ощущение свободы? Поменьше препятствий. Люди создают препятствия. Они климатические условия, не природа. Russia's approach to developing the far north has become much more pragmatic. But the Arctic is too vast and its resources are too tempting for Moscow to give up its dream. Vladimir Putin is not the first Russian ruler to try to conquer the Arctic, and he is unlikely to be the last.